0: We now move on to the parliamentary panel, I think. Um, and um, yep, oh, I can see we've got at least one MP. Um, excellent, hang about a minute and see whether we get a few more. Um, we're starting with Layla's talk. We're starting with Leila, right, excellent. Okay, but I think I'm just supposed to be introducing all the members of the panel at once and then handing over to you, Leila, do your bit about your personal experience, and then we'll move on to the panel if, if that's okay. All right. So, um, so the, the panel has got four members of parliament on it. Um, and they are the right honourable David Jones, who's a Conservative MP for Clwyd West and was a former Secretary of State for Wales. He is also has a long-standing interest in the Middle East, and he is the chair of the Council of Anglo-Arab British Understanding and Um, the All-Party Groups for Libya, Jordan and the UAE. Um, Julie Elliott is the Labour MP for Sunderland Central. She's a former Shadow Minister for Energy and Climate Change, and she chairs the Britain-Palestine All-Party Group and the Labour Friends of Palestine and the Middle East. And Tommy Shepherd is the Scottish National Party MP for Edinburgh East and the SNP Shadow of the Leader of the House of Commons. Um, and the fourth one is Leila Moran, MP, who's the Liberal Democrat Member of Parliament for Oxford, Western Abingdon, which I should own up to, is the constituency in which I live and vote. Um, and but I'm not doing any special pleading. <laughs> um, and uh either for myself or, or you, Layla. Um, and she is the Lib Dem uh, uh, spokesperson on foreign affairs and international development but she is of course also the first and only i think um mp of palestinian heritage and so she's first going to speak about her family's experience and then she will will join with the other uh, mps as part of the parliamentary panel over to you Lena.
1: well thank you phyllis it's lovely to see you again uh, virtually this time um but it's, it's and i think we first met talking about palestine uh, issues in and around Oxford, so it's lovely to see you in this context. Um, and hello, everyone. And uh, you know, I'm an enormous fan of the Balfour Project, uh, and thank you so much for inviting me to relay some of my own personal experience. Um, so yes, Phyllis, I believe I'm, I know I'm the only one currently. I think I am also the first. Um, I hope I'm not the last, and I hope that there are many others from all political backgrounds um, who are encouraged to stand. Uh, for Parliament to stand as councillors to get involved in politics uh, in this country because I think it does bring uh, something of its own uh, richness to have all sorts of different voices in the House. And um, I think actually primarily on this issue and I speak for foreign affairs now, but as you might imagine, I've always tried whenever there's uh, anything going on in the House uh, about Palestine to, to go and talk and And what I tend to try and do is to bring a voice of personal experience into the Chamber, to bring a humanity to the debate, to make people realize, particularly those who, frankly, you know, will just swallow the briefing from Conservative Friends of Israel or whatever, um, that actually there are real families uh, who are affected by the events on the ground and these are real communities with a long history. Um, so I'm really proud of my Palestinian history. I'm proud that my first word was Arabic, even though I'm shamed to say I don't speak it um, now, but it was dull, which means light. Apparently there was a pull cord I was particularly interested in uh, as a child, and that's what caused that. Uh, and actually for the first few years of my life, my mum only spoke to me in Arabic. And you know, my uh, Palestinianness is expressed mainly in, you know, the music we listen to, the food we eat. My mum uh, is coming to London tomorrow and she is bringing me malfouf because that is my favorite food. Um, so you know Palestinianness comes in all sorts of different forms but the other side of it and there's perhaps less joyous in a way side is that sort of long history particularly that is um, so closely linked to the mandate uh, which is of course where Britain falls into this. So my family in its past generations are we are Jerusalemites and I was taught from a very young age that that is a distinction even among Palestinians we are proud Jerusalemites um, and uh, that is very much a part of our identity. Um, we are a Christian family, we are Greek Orthodox um, and actually in the later stages uh, of my family's story which I'll relay we've actually ended up um, recentering the family after the diaspora in Athens in Greece because that we had uh, links that, Uh, fed back from Greece. uh, Many generations. Um, My family is probably best known for my great-grandfather's diaries. My great-grandfather was a man called Wasif Zhaoharieh. He wrote prolific diaries that chronicles the period of the mandate from 1904 to 1948, and we're very proud uh, that he has now become sort of source material for uh, all sorts of different books these days. Um, My mother remembers him. Uh, I sadly never got to meet him, but he was an incredible figure. Uh, He was a musician. uh, He was a bon viveur, incredibly intelligent. His father uh, was a lawyer um, and he got involved uh, initially with the Husseini family uh, in Jerusalem during the Ottoman occupation. In his diaries, he chronicles how the sort of liberation of uh, Palestine from the Ottomans was a moment of uh, great renewal. He told horrible stories of how the Ottomans would, for example, drag men through the streets by their scrotum if they didn't pay their taxes. I mean, it sounded horrifically oppressive. And so, when the British came in, uh, they were delighted. You know, this was meant to be a time of liberation, and even the Balfour Declaration itself, at the time, was seen through the eyes of hope. Um, you fast forward a few years, my, my grandfather in fact worked for the mandate, he was a clerk uh, in the governorate, and um, by the time it gets to then 1948 and the withdrawal. Um, it, he, his view completely changed he'd spent much of his adulthood rubbing shoulders with um, the elites at the time they would party together. Um, and then uh, I was reading my grandfather's diaries, who in the tradition of my great grandfather also wrote down his stories. And I just wanted to read um, a little extract from it. Apparently, uh, they said uh, when they heard that the UN had voted for the partition of Palestine, um, he said he blamed the British. Um, and, and he felt this enormous loss, a feeling of great loss sank in. Uh, as we in a fa- as a family had to move uh, and were never returned. And so um, actually once the partition happened, it was the terrorism in Jerusalem itself that caused them to move. They first moved to a uh, monastery in Jericho uh, for a short while uh, and then they left, uh, they went uh, away. Eventually coming back to uh, Jericho, And I I personally find this quite uh, poignant for myself because uh, there is somewhere also called Jericho in Oxford. Um, So I quite love that I'm the MP for Jericho, uh, given that that was where my family ended up going. Um, You fast forward a little bit to my grandfather's time now and uh, Amman starts to feature. So um, my grandfather uh, grew up, had a great sense of loss, uh, not being able to go back. Uh, after 48, um, the house was looted. There was a huge collection of music and trinkets. And uh, my great grandfather was a great collector of, of things, um, perhaps slightly OCD, um, but it served as a great record. Much of it's gone. And uh, my grandfather relays this sort of deep sense of loss, the feeling of never being able to go back. Um, so he then, after studying at the AUB, came back uh, to Jericho seeking to sort of build. Until the land. Uh, He became a farmer. Uh, We had no previous experience of farming, very much refugees at this point, having lost everything. Um, And he takes to becoming one of the people who brings mass poultry farming to the Middle East and builds his his career that way. Um, This then took him to uh, Tripoli for a while, um, and he got involved in the Arab Development Society, which was run by Musa al Al Alami, and uh, we are very proud of the work that he did uh, with them because that was an organization that sought to take care of uh, refugees, particularly refugee orphans, teaching them a skill, teaching them how to tend to the land and rebuilding so that they didn't leave. And I think this was a really important thing for many Palestinians at the time was if you left the land, you were never going to come back. Uh, and so what could they do to keep people there? That then took him to Amman. Um, so he wasn't making enough money. The family was growing. Uh, my mother is one of five children. Um, and by that point, uh, he couldn't support them on the wage she was being offered there. As amazing as that experience was. So they went to Amman. Um, and so the story of my mother is that's where she finished her secondary school. She went to the University of Jordan um, and uh, the University of Jordan then took her uh, thinking about what she'd do in her masters to why uh, college in the UK where she met my father so that's where um, I come in uh, and where the British connection comes in but it's a very much a story and I know it's, it's a bit chronological but it's a story of sort of increased geographical uh, distance away from Jerusalem um, but I would say and whilst you know I am half Palestinian I feel very much a part of the fight for Palestine in my own way, in the same way that many of my cousins do as well. Um, I think, whilst our connection with the aftermath of the mandate and of the struggle is perhaps uh, less present, you know, these are things that happened in our parents' childhoods, it's not things that happened in ours and that we uh, weren't privy to as first person actors. Um, But the future of Palestine does weigh heavy on my shoulders. I want to be able to one day take my children there. I want to not be the generation that lost Palestine and to fight for our homeland. And in my grandfather's books, he lays at the end of it a challenge to all of us who are now part of the diaspora, the second generation, the ones who have taken on the passports and the languages and You know the positions of privilege and power in other countries. He sets us the challenge to make the case uh, for why it is so important to keep the hope of Palestine alive and it's for that reason that I'm really proud. Every parliamentary session I introduce another bill for the recognition of Palestine. Um, And I particularly want to impress on this government to not forget their historic obligation to my family to the people of Palestine in the Balfour Declaration um, that said that it was a land that was for two peoples. And unfortunately, I don't think the government currently is holding true uh, to that promise. Um, But by George, as long as I'm here, I'm going to remind them.